You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review for Thursday, March 24th, 2022. I'm Coda Babcock. And I'm Ellie Shannon. And you're tuned in to KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, Kira McKinley goes over campus news with information on summer registration at CSU and how housing prices are hurting CSU staff. Then, Ellie Shannon covers local news with details on a small fire breaking out near I-25 in Loveland. Coda Babcock goes over new updates in COVID-19 statistics and policies. Following that, Serena Bettis from the Collegian speaks to Glenn Smith of the Farm Credit Administration about staff recruitment to support farmers. After that, Babcock goes over information on the impact of a tornado, which ripped through Louisiana Tuesday night, and updates you on Judge Kentaji Brown-Jackson's confirmation hearing. After that, Eliza Drotar goes over details on CSU Athletics. To conclude today's show, I explain updates on technology with information on Fortnite donating proceeds to Ukraine. Let's move right into campus and local news. This is Kira McKinley reporting your campus news for Thursday, March 24th. 2022 summer class registration has opened on March 22nd. If you are a student at CSU who hasn't signed up for summer classes yet and intend on doing so, now is the time to schedule a meeting with your advisor to get your advising code and sign up for new courses. In other news, Korea Samari, an assistant professor in CSU's College of Business, has found in a recent study that negative reviews on businesses can have a significantly greater impact on prospective customers than positive reviews, reports Allison Silty of CSU Source News. Korea Samari found that negative reviews can be more impactful, as these types of reviews tend to be more specific and diagnostic than positive reviews. Many people are now being deterred from working at CSU due to the rising housing prices in northern Colorado. Pat Ferrier of the Coloradan reports that single-family home prices in northern Colorado rose by 18% this past year. The average cost for a single-family home in Fort Collins is now $600,000. CSU, though, has come up with a plan to combat these rising housing prices by creating two rental housing projects along with various financial assistance projects to help their employees find affordable housing. These plans are still in their early stages, but are a beacon of hope in the midst of this growing problem. Thank you for listening to my CSU campus news updates. I'm Kira McKinley, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU. Here's Ellie Shannon with your local news updates. This is Ellie Shannon with your local news for Thursday, March 24th. Amazon is planning to build a 600,000-square-foot facility in Loveland. The city of Loveland announced on Tuesday that the facility will be built near the Northern Colorado Regional Airport. The city says the business could bring tens of millions of tax revenue dollars to Loveland. The $9.4 million land purchase on 152 acres was finalized on March 3rd. The facility could bring up to 1,000 jobs to Loveland. And according to Pat Ferrier of the Coloradoan, Amazon currently employs more than 20,000 people in the state of Colorado. A small fire broke out yesterday afternoon east of I-25 in Loveland. On a property just north of U.S. Highway 34, the owner was burning branches properly and with a permit over a week ago. Yesterday, heavy winds caused embers that were still hot to catch fire. Loveland Fire Rescue reported that the fire burned an acre of land and heavy machinery was used to make sure no more hot embers existed. Penny Styers will officially continue as Fort Collins High School's principal through the 2022-23 school year, according to Molly Bohannon of the Coloradoan. Styers took over as interim principal earlier this year after the removal of former principal Tam Smith. Styers is the high school's first female principal. 
Styers has been with Poudre School District since 2010 and was Lincoln Middle School's principal starting in 2015. Smith still works in the school district and has now moved to the title of Operations Special Assignment in order to work as a principal. That's all for local news, and thanks for listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. Make sure to tune in every Tuesday and Thursday from 4 to 5 p.m. I'm Ellie Shannon, and this is KCSU on 90.5 FM. Support for KCSU comes from Chiba Hut. Chiba Hut Toasted Subs is a cannabis-themed restaurant with three locations in Fort Collins and two close to campus. Ordering is available online for pickup or delivery. For locations and a menu, visit ChibaHut.com. We're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. If you missed any part of Campus and Local News with Kira McKinley and Ellie Shannon, check out our podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to listen back. I'm Coda Babcock, and these are COVID-19 updates for Thursday. Colorado State University reports over 9,000 cases of COVID-19 among students, staff, and faculty. Seven new cases were reported Wednesday, with the majority being among students at CSU. Larimer County reports a low-risk score for community transmission of COVID-19, along with over 77,000 cases. Additionally, the county reports over 480 COVID-19 deaths. The seven-day case rate for Larimer County is just under 50 cases per 100,000 residents, and only about 3% of all COVID-19 tests administered in the past week came back positive. New COVID-19 hospital admissions remain low in the county at just two new admissions per 100,000 residents in the past week and only 1.3% of inpatient hospital beds are being used for COVID-19 patients. The state of Colorado reports over 1.3 million COVID-19 cases, along with nearly 13,000 deaths. 4.8 million people received COVID-19 testing in the state, and over 61,000 total people are hospitalized across the state. 10.3 million vaccine doses have been administered in Colorado, with almost 4 million Coloradans being fully immunized. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention report over 79.6 million total cases of COVID-19 nationally, along with over 970,000 deaths as a result of the illness. 81% of eligible people received at least one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine. I'm Coda Babcock, and that's all for Thursday's COVID-19 updates. Information from this segment comes from Colorado State University, Larimer County, the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. If you are a student, staff member, or faculty member at CSU, visit covid.colostate.edu to submit vaccine information and get the most recent information on COVID-19 at the university. Wednesday, Serena Bettis from the Collegian spoke to Glenn Smith of the Farm Credit Administration about staff recruitment. 
for students interested in working in the agriculture industry. These positions require less than three years experience. And Glenn Smith tells us more. And small is under 250,000 in loans. And <clears throat> we feel it's very important to develop that new generation. Obviously, it's overlap. A lot of young farmers mm -hmm. are beginning and, and start out small. But we feel it's very important to develop that new generation of farmers for the future of agriculture. Nobody, nobody wants to see um, our agricultural system dominated by huge, huge entities, right? And uh, every day there's new entrants to, this, to, to, uh, to agriculture, entrepreneurs that have a new and better idea of how to deliver food, how to raise food. And those are the type of people, the type of entrepreneurs we want to support. And that's what this conference here at CSU is all about. Yeah. So we've gotten real good uh, support from the university. President McConnell addressed us this morning along with Dean Pritchard from the, uh, the College of Agriculture and Natural Resources. Mm -hmm. And CSU has just been real helpful in, uh, in helping us put together this conference. And the conference is focused entirely on young beginning and small farmers and what we can do to streamline the loan process. We've called in national leaders from USDA uh, who are holding, uh, have been um, addressing the group. We've had panel discussions and uh, a lot of ideas tr uh, being passed around. We've got representatives from associations all over the country that are here to see how they can better their young and beginning farmer programs. So good, good partnership, partnership between our agency, the Farm Credit Administration, CSU, and USDA. And uh, people from USDA are out of Washington, D.C. as well. Right. So CSU is, of course, a land-grant institution yes. and started as an agricultural education yes. school. Yes. Can you just speak a bit more on the importance of that ag education and even just the knowledge or awareness of what people are actually doing in this field? Because um, I think, you know, mm -hmm. it's not really clear. People just hear, oh, farmers and they mm -hmm. do something and see, you know, a field and that's kind of it. They don't really know exactly the extent of it, right? So right. why is that important? Well, you know, I think uh, in this country, we have some of the most affordable food in the world. So we've got a very efficient food system. Um, but it's a huge industry. Mm -hmm. And uh, it isn't just the people that produce the food. It's also the processors, the distributors, your grocery stores. I mean, it's it's a huge, huge industry. So as far as uh, employment opportunities, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be out working your land, raising livestock. A lot of opportunities, but it's important you appreciate the importance of, of agriculture. I think we had a wake-up call in this country in the early months of COVID. I live in the Washington, D.C. area. And I want to tell you, when you go to these big, beautiful grocery stores, meat wasn't in, mm -hmm. bread was short, different supplies were short. And uh, things that people naturally take for granted. Uh, and I think the realization is we, we can't take our food system for granted. And part of that is developing, just like uh, just like any other industry, is developing those leaders of tomorrow. So that's why it's important to line up with uh, universities like land grant universities, CSU, 
that uh, that have an emphasis on agriculture. Mm -hmm. And we've had a great deal of success. This is our second conference. We had a conference last uh, November at University of Nebraska in Lincoln and uh, plan to have future conferences just like this you know, with the emphasis of how to better serve young beginning small farmers. We feel it's critically important to the food security of this country. So my advisor had told me that or you do a lot of recruiting of college students for your organization specifically. What are you looking for in those people and what kind of job opportunities are there? Yeah, uh, Mike just slipped me a note like he does <laughs> on a regular basis that exactly, uh, you know, answers that question. Yes, CSU is, is a major source of, of talent mm -hmm. uh, for our agency as well as the farm credit system. And, and primarily, I would say a lot of students that we that we hire, that FCA and the system hires, have a um, financial background. In our case, where a lot of our employees or examiners go out in the institutions, examine their financial records, accounting background is, is valuable. Um, so finance, accounting, economics is, is, uh, is a great background to have, ag economics, uh, ag business. I think the program here at uh, CSU has a big business is a pretty broad base. In other words, you can focus on finance or focus on different areas within that. But um, I was in Denver yesterday at one of our field offices for our examiners. And I would guess about half the people in the room are CSU grads. Okay. So uh, so we look look to this university for, for a, a source of talent. Probably underwriting that, though, uh, above all, we don't necessarily limit ourselves to people with agricultural backgrounds, but it's good to have a, at least a knowledge of that. If you're an ag student here, you're going to have a working understanding of agriculture and its importance of agriculture. If you grew up on a farm or ranch in Colorado, well, that's pretty ingrained. Mm -hmm. And and that is helpful. Uh, it isn't a, a uh, all consuming trait that we look at, um, but it is helpful to, to, um, uh, to be an employee within these entities. Um, and, you know, uh, banks, commercial banks, uh, community banks also look, you know, to uh, universities like CSU for the same reasons. Do you have anything else that you want to add? Yes. We, well, we, we talked about ag finance being <laughs> one area of, of focus for potential talent that we look at. And so uh, we will be addressing the ag finance class here okay. at two o'clock. Yes, have a number of uh, congressmen, uh, staff, congressional staff mm -hmm. uh, uh, from offices here in Colorado are also in attendance. The woman from Senator Hinkin, the first staff up there today. For those of you who are just joining us, that was Serena Bettis from The Collegian and her interview with Glenn Smith of the Farm Credit Administration about staff recruitment. We'll be right back on 90.5 KCSU.
Hey, this is DJ Asher. And this is DJ Dallas. You're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Coda Babcock, and this is National News Highlights for KCSU News. The United States government declared that the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, and his military forces are responsible for war crimes Wednesday. Deepa Shivaram, a national public radio, reports that Russia's war crimes include targeting civilians, resulting in nearly 5,000 deaths. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said in a statement that both him and President Biden understood Russian forces as having committed war crimes, with Biden accusing Putin of being a war criminal based on attacks in Mariupol. In Mariupol, a maternity hospital and theater were attacked despite having the Russian word for children written on them, visible from the sky to prevent unintended attacks. The International Criminal Court, also called ICC, said it will rapidly open an investigation into Russian war crimes in Ukraine which they started looking into after research was conducted in 2013. The ICC's chief prosecutor, Kareem A.A. Khan, said in a February statement, quote, It is my intention that this investigation will also encompass any new alleged crimes falling within the jurisdiction of my office that are committed by any party to the conflict on any part of the territory of Ukraine, end quote. A tornado in Louisiana ripped through the New Orleans suburb of Arabi, killing one man Tuesday night. According to Gerald Herbert and Rebecca Santana at the Associated Press, 25-year-old Connor Lambert died after the tornado destroyed his home. Lambert worked as an engineer at the Stennis Space Center in Mississippi. Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards declared a state of emergency in several Louisiana parishes based on the level of destruction caused by the tornado. Residents told reporters stories of survival, including how one father covered his wife and one-year-old son with his body in their bathtub, and another family hid with their dog in a closet as the tornado ripped through their neighborhood. One man said the tornado was so fast that it was over by the time he finished saying four Hail Mary prayers. The storm damaged an area about two miles long and half a mile in width, leading to the activation of 300 National Guard personnel as the region needed additional support. Judge Kentaji Brown-Jackson was pressed by Republicans on her sentencing history. A writer's team at Reuters reports that Brown deflected attacks from Republicans, many of which were repeats focusing on the same few cases. Republicans accused her of lenient sentencing as she charged sex offenders, specifically those involved in child pornography cases. Senator Josh Hawley focused on a case which she charged, in which she charged an 18-year-old defendant with just three months based on his possession of images of child sexual abuse, probing Jackson on whether or not she regretted her sentencing and asking if she felt the timing fit the crime. She noted that she did find the crime especially disturbing, but also noted that she followed standards based on other federal judges' decisions in similar cases. The Wall Street Journal reported that she said, quote, It's not just about how much time a person spends in prison. It's about understanding the harm of this behavior, end quote. She later pointed to how in all her cases, she worked to use relevant pieces of information when handling cases and understanding what time after incarceration would look like for the defendant. In response to the deep focus on this case, Jackson said she wished more of the time in her questioning could be used to address the over 100 sentences she worked on as a judge. Senator Dick Durbin and several other Democrats attempted to shut down the deep focus on this case, saying that it had been heavily discussed in previous days and the bulk of her work should be understood as well. She is expected to receive support from the full Democratic Party and be confirmed, assuming that the party unites for her confirmation regardless of other questioning impacted the few Republican senators supporting her nomination. Jackson is replacing a more liberal justice in the Supreme Court, so if confirmed, the Supreme Court's makeup will still be 6-3 to three in favor of a more conservative policy understanding. 
a prosecutor who previously led the fraud investigation of former President Donald Trump's Trump Organization, resigned, saying in his letter he believes the former president to be, quote, guilty of numerous felony violations, end quote. CBS News reports that the letter was first published by the New York Times, and attorney Mark Pomerantz criticized how Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg had handled the case. Pomerantz, along with another prosecutor, Kerry Doon, resigned during the investigation as the Trump Organization faced fraud and tax evasion charges. Bragg's spokesperson, Danielle Filson, said that the investigation is ongoing, and as a result, there is not much her team can say, as more information is still being uncovered. The investigation first started in 2019, as settlements and bribes to keep women quiet about their experiences with Trump were examined, and that investigation later looked to Trump's property values and other financial fraud issues. That's all for National News. I'm Cutta Babcock for KCSU News. And now we're going to be hearing from the live and local podcast on KCSU Fort Collins 90.5 FM. You are about to listen to Live and Local, a podcast brought to you by 90.5 KCSU. My name is DJ DeLone, and on March 13th, 20, I brought in Matt Dooley, a dedicated frontman for several bands here in Fort Collins, one of them that just, just dissolved as of recently. We're going to hop right into the interview, and here we go. I know we've got Old Skin, and then... Well, no more Sinister Pig. No more Sinister Pig, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a bummer. Yeah, end of an era, kind of. Yeah, and then you've got one band called Violent High, and then what's that last one? Trench Knife. Trench Knife. That's the new one, right? Yeah, Trench Knife's the new one, yeah. Awesome. Um, so, just want to start off. You guys just did uh, an album for Old Skin. Yeah, we just put out an EP called uh, Towering Monolith of Flesh, and uh, it's up on Spotify. Just came out. On 311, so a couple days ago. Um, we're really excited about it. We've gotten some pretty good reception so far. Yeah, it's just a four-song EP, like death metal mixed with stoner metal kind of thing. Got it recorded down in Denver, and I don't know, probably about like 16 hours total put into it. So it was a lot of work, but good recording experience, and I don't know, we're really happy with how the album sounds. So. Yep. I've, uh, I took a listen to it this morning. Just, I was like, I gotta listen to it before Matt comes in. I'm digging it, dude. Well, appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. You're welcome. Um, so 16 hours for four tracks. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me personally doing vocals, it probably took about five hours and then Hayden did bass and guitar because we, at the time we didn't have a bass player, but now we do have a bass player. So yeah, and then we have our our buddy Gage does noise for us, and he's got. I probably took him like two hours, I think, to record all of his noise stuff for us. So when you talk about noise stuff, like I know what you're talking about because I've seen you guys kind of yeah. have this little setup. But just for people who don't really know what's going on with that, do you want to? Yeah, I can elaborate. That? Harsh noise is basically like. It's like anti-music. It's a bunch of guitar pedals and effect pedals plugged into each other. And the idea is to create like either soundscapes or noise walls with static or using different pedals to create different sounds. He does his he does his own uh, project, Razor Wire Handcuffs. It's it's definitely a performance thing too. Like a lot of it's performance art. But for us, we just blend it in with the music, usually start off songs with it or kind of have spots in the middle where he can just like fill out the sound, make it fuller. And, you know, we, we don't exactly want to be easy to listen to, if that makes sense. It's definitely kind of niche. 
we we like we like how abrasive it is. That's kind of the point is that we just want to be the heaviest band in Fort Collins. Hopefully, we're getting close to achieving that. It's quite the competition for being the hardest band right now, though. Yeah, there's no, a lot going on. It is, yeah. but I mean, friendly competition only, you know, bring out better. Oh music. yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I mean, there there is. I mean, at this point, more than ever, and I've been playing music since I was fourteen, like within the scene. And this is by far the best time to be a heavy band because, like. Wolf Blitzer, Sludge Broker, Opposition Agent, um, Copper Teeth, Copper Teeth, Deadbeat. I mean, I'm sure I'm missing some. Gone Full Heathen. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot. There's a lot going on right now. That's just Fort Collins. Watching people drown. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just back to this recording process. Was this the first time that you've done anything like that? Uh, so no. I, I guess it would be the first time that we had it done professionally. Like with Sinister Pig, we did DIY recordings for our our album and the split that we did with Caustic Soda from Boulder, which is fun but also a pain in the butt because you have to do you're you're doing everything and it takes you generally takes a lot more takes. Doesn't sound as good. It's very satisfying to know that like you did everything. Like you played your music, you recorded it, you mixed it, you mastered it. Yeah, this was my first experience personally with like paying someone to record us. And it's really nice, I got to say. And especially the guy that we went through down in Denver, um, Danny, he's in a kind of, I, I don't know, just a noisy, heavy band. They're called Last Light from Portland. And it's it's nice having somebody who like, listens to heavy music record you because he kind of knows like he could throw out suggestions to us like oh maybe you should do this right here you know this would sound cool because like from somebody who would be listening to it anyway that's kind of you know a perspective that's good to have as and as like someone who's recording you so that experience was really cool uh i mean driving down to denver you know to do it wasn't too bad it was fun like i generally like the diy process even though it's very rewarding not not the most fun thing to do but yeah we're super stoked on how it came out everything's just very full and solid sounding so you've only done it professionally with old skin but like old sinister pig projects how how was that like as a different kind of process um, so you like the process itself is fairly similar. Um, the only difference really is just like software and, and like how this room is set up to control sound. But with Sinister Pig, like basically Tanaya, the bass player and other vocalist, and then Devana, our guitar player, pretty much set up all of the recording stuff. Um, we did it in Devana's basement. Uh, which was, you know, it was fun, but took forever. And just, it, you know, it takes a lot more critiques. You know, you're kind of trying to figure out how to use programs and where everybody's at. And, you know, you're all trying to figure out what sound you want, but while also, you know, working together on the recording. So you're, you're just taking on a lot more, and that can kind of make things more stressful. Whereas with this last recording, it's just... It was just easy. We didn't really have to worry about any of that kind of stuff. With Violent High, we did basically a live demo that we recorded in our drummer, drummer Ace's basement. 
And then we also did like the old skin violent high split, which we recorded live. I mean, they're, they're live tapes. I, I wouldn't even call them like just recorded tracks. It's basically just practice tapes on both sides. And we, we recorded those at, um, higher grounds, which is a, well, not a recording studio. It was for us. It's just a rehearsal space. So here in Fort Collins, which it's pretty much the only one. And then <laughs> the drummer of watching people drown, Evan lets his jam in his garage too. So that's, <laughs> those are the practice spaces that are available for us right now. Nice, nice. So talking about end of an era with Sinister Pig. How was that entire project? Like, how do you look back at it? Now um, it's over? So Sinister Pig was super cool. I had no, they, so they started off as a three piece with Tanaya, Devana, and then Dylan was the old drummer. And I've known Devana and Tanaya since I was 14. Yeah, I've known them for 10 years. So they they started the band together. Uh, Dylan left. Um, he, he moved. And then we got a new drummer, Nate, who also drums for Old Skin. And they did this thing at Avos one time where they just wanted to, like, improvise on a, like, sludge metal jam. And they were like, come on up, Matt. Just scream. I said, all right, yeah, I'll, I can do that. So I came up and they did it. And this is the first time I had met Nate. It was his first time in Fort Collins. And he was like, why don't we throw this guy in the band? I was like, I'd be down. I've been trying to get into a band for a minute. Um, and things just hadn't been, you know, working out. So basically that's how that started for me is that I just kind of randomly got thrown in. Um, but no, I mean, Sinister Pig was a lot of fun. Just very political, you know. It's serious music, but we we always had fun with it. Shows were always a lot of fun. Um, and I don't know, like, after we had made our post about kind of disbanding, you know, I had a lot of people hit me up. And Asa from Violent High, the drummer, I mean, they're 18, and they're in, like, 12 hardcore bands in Denver right now. And they hit me up when they saw the post and said, like, basically thank you for getting me into local hardcore. I didn't realize it was a thing until I like I saw Sinister Pig. And and that that meant a lot to me because this is coming from someone who's not only in like 12 hardcore bands in Denver, but also did Fish Legs 2, which is their own recording project that basically sounds like Dinosaur Jr. That's really, really sick. And they're running a record label out of their dad's basement. So Lots of lots of work. So the fact that Sinister Pig could do something for someone like that makes us really happy. So we're happy to leave a mark. Yeah, I mean, we went on tour together. Everybody got sick when we were on tour, except for our, Devana, our guitar player. And it was just super wholesome. It was like, I mean, for, given the situation, we were in uh, Arizona and we all got food poisoning, except for Devana, because she's vegan. And uh, we ate chicken burritos and all got sick. But no, it was great. Super supportive. We, we we made it through just fine, given the circumstances. So I don't know. That's kind of a testament to like how close that band was and everything. It is different now, though, because a lot of the bands that exist now didn't exist prior to the pandemic isn't really over. So like the the initial pandemic, I guess I should say. So we didn't have a lot of like punk or hardcore bands or even, you know, like metal bands to play play with um, outside of like Plasma Canvas and Wolf Blitzer, Copper Teeth and Deadbeat. So there just wasn't, you know, there wasn't that much for us. So, 
you know, we'd play with bands like King Crawdad and stuff, which was always fun, you know, doing cross genre shows. And I I like it because you, you know, you have people come in and, you know, they come for a, you know, heavy psych rock band. And then it's like, now you're listening to, um, you know, lots of political commentary and then very heavy music afterwards and us headbutting each other in the chest and pushing each other around on stage and stuff. And the reaction was either like, Oh, like I do not like this. This is not for me. And then there were some people who'd be like, I did not come for this, but this is awesome. I'm going to be there next time. So that's, that's what I really liked about Sinister Pig and just the people in that band. I really love and are really great. Uh, but yeah, it's just one of those things where we just didn't practice a lot over, over the pandemic, didn't have a lot of time to, and you know, people were busy and just kind of felt like the time to throw in the towel, you know? So great, great band. We're, we're pretty happy with the influence we made. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I've only seen Sinister Pig play once, but it's really funny um, knowing that you were in that band because every once in a while when I was getting into my brother's car, he had a sticker for Sinister Pig <laughs> like right on his dashboard. It was just, uh, <laughs> it was funny to finally make the connection between you being in the band and just random sticker in my brother's car. Yeah. yeah. Really funny. Yeah. Kind of want to hop back because right at the beginning, you told me that you've been doing music since you were 14. Yeah. So how did you originally get into just like music, like doing music in the first place? And we already talked about your first experience with Sinners or Pig. Was that your first band as well? Uh, no. So the very first band, kind of a random project that I decided to do with Trent Moore. And oh my uh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I was and, just with Trent last night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Goofy, goofy man. Trent and um, Trevor from like Bitter Sons and Almost Extinct. And we literally just played a show in a basement and then we recorded a, like a four song EP off of Trevor's laptop using Bandcamp and we did it live. And then we um, printed a bunch of CD, like, I don't know, like 25 CDs and then walked around Fort Collins High School and just gave them to people. We're just like, hey, listen to our band. And I'm pretty sure like half of those people probably just threw it in the trash. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we tried. Um, but after that, now I started uh, playing Music really, really, what got me into it is that Trevor and then Jonah, you know, from Better Sons, they've been good friends of mine for a while. Um, I mean, I've known them. I've known Trevor for twenty years. I was gonna say you've known Trevor since you were like five, right? Yeah, I've known Trevor forever. So, um, yeah, so there was just like one day they were jamming in the basement and they had their own band, and I think it was called like Reptilia or something like that at the time, and it was like. Queens of the Stone Age. Isn't that uh, a stroke song? Reptilia? Uh, yeah, it is okay. a stroke song. Yeah. Um, which we were also listening to at the time a lot. But yeah, they were they were doing that. And it was like a lot of just kind of, you know, like stoner rock and like doom, doom metal influenced kind of stuff. It wasn't like super heavy. But I was like sitting in the basement watching them jam. And I was just kind of hanging out and... They were like, why don't you just come up and start screaming? And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, like, sure, I'll give it a try. And it ended up working out pretty well. And then they were like, okay, we'll have you play. You know, like, you can be in this band. And with the first show that I played with them, 
technically, I guess, um, was the Fort Collins High School talent show, which was <laughs> which was really which was really interesting because they told me they had a show booked at the new gallery before it turned into Pinball Jones um, in Old Town Square, uh, and they were like, "You'll play at the." new show we kind of want to see if we can win the talent show and i don't think we're going to win the talent show if you're just screaming and i was like that's reasonable so i was like off i was going to go to it anyway and um they texted me and they were like you know screw it like just just come just come and come and wing it and we like all had mohawks we were all like covered in patches and like the majority of the talent show was like you know girls like singing and playing piano which is singer songwriter stuff yeah 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 and like you know dudes playing acoustic guitar and like doing covers and stuff which is like cool you know like a little more universal sound though yeah yeah definitely (laughs) not um not not what we sounded like at all so it was funny there were like there were like two other bands on there and they were like indie bands what used to be um well at the time it was called blade yarder but that turned into slow caves Okay. Yeah. So Blade Yarder turned into Slow Caves. They won the competition, of course. But yeah. So anyway, no, they they hit me up, and I like biked over to um, the high school, got on stage, and I was like, Trevor was like, I'm just gonna cue you in, and then you'll just like figure it out from there. And it ended up working really well, but like my mic was turned down so low, I ended up busting my voice up pretty well. But it was funny because we came out. Did like one like four minute song that was really slow. And then they did like a little jam song for a little bit. And then we we all basically decided that we were like, okay, we're gonna do this like 30 second grindcore song that's just gonna be blast beats and screaming, and we're just gonna do it just to just to do it. Just to do it. Just <laughs> to do it. Cause at that point we we're like, there's you know. We already know who's going to win this, so we're just going to do it. Just there to have some fun. Yeah, and it was funny because we had, like, all of our friends sitting in, like, one section, and they were all, like, hooting and hollering. Yeah, they were all (laughs) stoked about it, and then everybody else there was, like, you know, pushed back on their seats. scared, guys. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you know, it was just, like, a lot of parents mostly. There weren't a whole lot of students there, and, like, the kids that were there were kind of there for us. So that was uh, that was super funny, but that was really my first experience. Um, and then I ended up playing that show uh, that I was supposed to play with them as my first show originally. And to this day, that's still one of my favorite shows because it was just in that basement um, down in Old Town Square. And we played with like, once again, like indie rock bands and they were good. They were good bands. And then I think there was another punk band on that bill. I can't remember. But um, yeah, it was cool because it was pretty much all of my friends from high school and then like Henry and all of his friends, so like Sam and, you know, all those guys. There were just a lot of people there. I have no idea how. Like, I don't know what sort of promoting was going on, but there were like 35 or 40 people like jammed into this basement. At the the downtown Pimple Gym. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it was just crazy. We started playing and we did a cover of this band, Iron Monkey. And that was local music director Dylan King interviewing local musician Matt Dooley. To hear the full episode of that podcast, be sure to check out kcsufm.com slash podcast. Or you can also check out the KCSU app and navigate over to the podcast section. We'll be right back. 
At Colorado State University, the women's rugby team competes in the Mountain West Rugby Conference, working to establish themselves as leaders on and off the field. Women of all different backgrounds, experience levels, and interests are welcome to join the CSU women's rugby team. Practices and home games are held on the IM fields. To get involved and define the team's game schedule, go to csuwrugby.com. My name is Eliza Drotar. This is your RMR Sports Report. In women's basketball, the team made it to the Mountain West Championship but lost Wyoming in overtime. They started their run at the NIT tournament but lost first round to Portland. In men's basketball, the team lost in the second round of the Mountain West tournament and lost the first round against Michigan in the NCAA tournament. In women's softball, the team is now 8-16, and losing all three of their games against San Diego State last weekend. In women's tennis, they lost their last two matches against ranked teams. In women's golf, they placed 11th in the Clover Cup. And in men's golf, they tied for 12th in the National Invitational Tournament. If you are interested in student tickets, go to csurams.evenue.net to get student tickets. My name is Eliza Drotart. This has been your RMR Sports Report. This is Ellie Shannon reporting your tech news for Thursday. Google is no longer selling movies and TV shows from the Google Play app starting in May. Instead, movies and shows will be available on the Google TV app, which will have the same experience that Google Play offered. The Verge reports that Google may be lessening its reliance on the Google Play brand as its storefront for digital goods since Google also shut down Google Play Music in favor of YouTube Music. Google's approach will be similar to Apple's, with music, books, or TV, and shows all on individual apps. Instagram is bringing back the option to have a reverse chronological order fee rather than the current algorithm. Users will be able to choose from two new ways to display posts in reverse chronological order. The first option will make anyone a user follows posts appear first in their feed. The second option lets users add up to 50 favorite users for their posts to appear first in their feed. Users can opt out on the feature if they don't want to use it, and instead prefer to see posts based on the current algorithm. Fortnite's publisher announced that until April 3rd, all proceeds made from in-game sales will be donated to Ukraine. This also includes cosmetic in-game items and virtual currency bought in shop or online. $50 million has already been raised. Xbox will also be donating a fee it would usually take on items bought by players in Fortnite. The money already being donated to Ukraine is more than some countries have given altogether. Thanks for listening to my tech news updates. This is Ellie Shannon for KCSU on 90.5 FM. And now let's hear some updates on weather with Coda Babcock.
Today was warm, windy, and partly cloudy with a high of 69 degrees and a low of 35 degrees. Moving into Friday, temperatures stay about the same, around a high of 65 and a low of 39, this time with mostly sunny skies. Saturday, expect temperatures to rise to a high of 76 with a low of 43. Sunday will be pretty similar with mostly cloudy skies and a high of 78 with a low of 45. And Monday, you can expect the trend to continue with a high of 75 and a low of 45 with partly cloudy skies. Tuesday will shift to cool weather and rain with a high of 55 and a low of 33. And for Wednesday's weather report, you'll have to check back in on Tuesday between 4 and 5 in the afternoon for the next episode of the Rocky Mountain Review, only on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I'm Coda Babcock for KCSU News, and information comes from the Weather Channel. And that's all for today. We just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank our guests today, as well as Portia Cook, Thomas Taylor, David Demuth, Stevie Jones, Hannah Copeland, Bryn McCall, Jack Balsley, London Shell, Hannah Hitchcock, Elliot Hutchinson, Eric Zhang, Brennan Cole, Bridget Vandell, Eliza Droder, Dylan King, Michelle Ellis, Ben Haney, Ben Kruger, Anna Schwabe, Marie Tanksley, Peter Walk, and the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Coda. And I'd like to thank you, Allie. And we finally couldn't do this without you, dear listener. Thank you. Thank you.